Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 13 through 16. If you grab the Pewback Bible in front of you, that would be found on page 810. Again, that's Matthew 5, and we'll be reading verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anyone except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good morning to everybody. Happy Mother's Day to our mothers among us. We're so thankful for you. We honor you and we're thankful for your influence in our lives. Um, I'm going to preach up a storm this morning, it appears, as the uh, rain keeps falling. I was thinking as I was sitting there this morning, um, you know, we moved here to Katy nine years ago. And a couple years after we got here, we had a terrible flood in May. And they said, oh, that was the 100-year flood. And then a couple years later, we had Hurricane Harvey, and they said, oh, that was a 500-year flood. I hope we don't keep going for the record. (laughs) I'm ready to just let that be done. We're thankful that you're here this morning. Open your Bibles, if you haven't already done so, to Matthew chapter 5, and that's where our, our study is going to come from this morning. We're starting a series of lessons for the next three weeks called Cultural Intelligence. And the idea of this series is that we as Christians are being, it seems, put in difficult positions more and more. Sometimes in your conversations with your family, if your family doesn't happen to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or they don't believe the way you do, you can be put in a really difficult situation as a result of that. Or at work, oftentimes in the workplace now, there are a lot of moral and political things being said and done and not all of those things can a Christian with good conscience say is enthusiastically right. You get put in a difficult position in the workplace or at school. The things that are being taught and the things that are being um, advocated by our school systems, again, a lot of them are really good, but a lot of them, for someone who believes in God and someone who believes in the Bible, they may be difficult positions for a Christian to be in. And the question that we have to answer is this, because the easy thing to do would be just to withdraw and to become very uh, closed in and I'm not going to interact with the people around me. That'd be the easy thing to do, but that may not be the right thing to do. The question that a Christian needs to ask is, how can I make the right kind of impact on the people around me? When I'm put on the spot, when I'm put in a difficult position, morally, spiritually, what kinds of expectations does God have for me? How am I to respond? And I'll just give you a preview of these three lessons in this series. This morning, we're going to talk about God has sent you into the world to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. God has sent you. Be useful. Remember those words. When you're put on the spot, when you're put in a difficult position, that is probably exactly where God could use you the most. Don't let that opportunity slip away. 
We'll talk about that in just a moment. Next week, Lord willing, on Sunday morning, we're going to talk about being prepared because the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, we are to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks us a reason for the hope that lies within us. And God plainly says in that passage, when you're doing good, when you're serving him, you may, not always, but you may face resistance as a result of that. Be prepared for that. And then in three weeks from today, Lord willing, two weeks from today, Lord willing, be hopeful. Because the Bible also says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that there may come a time when those people who are putting you in a difficult position, they may be saved. Who knows what God can do? If we'll trust him and if we'll be the kind of servants he wants us to be, who knows what God is able to do? Be hopeful. Don't ever stop hoping for people to repent and to change and to obey the truth. Because that's what God wants for them more than anything else. And that's got to be part of our heart and our approach to those around us as well. Cultural intelligence. If you're looking at your Bible in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Be useful, Jesus says. I'm sending you. Listen to what he says. Listen to the words of the Lord. In Matthew 5, verse 13, you, my disciples, are the salt of the earth. He's not saying you should be the salt of the earth or if it just so happens, he says, this is what you are. I've saved you for a purpose. I've saved you to send you out into the world. If the salt loses its taste, how will its saltiness be restored, he asks. It no longer is good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He continues in verse 14 with a different illustration. He says, you are, not you should be, or you might be one day, you are the light of the world. Brethren, when you obey the gospel, when you decide that you want to repent and be baptized, you are at that moment the salt of the earth. You are at that moment the light of the world. That is God's new purpose for you. He's sending you into the world to be the salt and the light. He says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And then he concludes with these words in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus has saved us to send us as salt and light into the world. You know, sometimes you'll hear people talk about, uh, uh, you know, they, I went to a certain city or I went to a certain place and those were good people, real salt of the earth kind of people. And what they mean by that typically is those are people that have substance to them. Those are people that are consistent. Those are people that show up and are faithful. They're salt of the earth kind of people. They're a good influence. That's what Jesus says you're supposed to be. No matter where you are, no matter what difficult position you've been put in, that's what you're supposed to be. And here's the thing about being put in difficult positions. I believe that being the salt of the earth and the light of the world this is what we ought to do all the time. But I believe as I look at life and as I look at experience, there are certain crisis moments in our lives when especially because of who we already are, salt and light, when especially it becomes costly and difficult to be the salt and the light. 
And that's what we're talking about with this sermon series. It doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen all the time necessarily, but there are moments in life when somebody looks at you and points at you and asks you a question or makes you sign something on a piece of paper, and that's when it's most costly and most difficult to be the salt and the light. And that's when our light can shine brighter than ever. You know, sometimes you'll see it coming. Sometimes you'll anticipate this is about to happen, this event's about to take place, and I'm going to have to decide what I'm going to do. But sometimes it blindsides you, doesn't it? You're sitting there with your family and somebody across the table says something snarky or sarcastic about the fact that you're a Christian. Or have you had this happen? You're in a group of people and somebody starts telling an off-color story or joke, and then they look at you and they apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know you don't like this kind of language. Or have you had this happen maybe at work where they're, they're trying to push something on the employees and you're going to have to decide morally, who do I stand with? Do I stand with the Lord or am I willing to line up with this agenda that's being pushed? And I know I can't, I can't as a Christian in good conscience say this is okay. You're the salt, you're the light, and you're never more so than when you're put on the spot like that. As you think about Jesus' words here, I'd like to... I'd like to point out to you this morning just three things. I'd like to point out to you, first of all, that there is for every one of us a challenge to accept. A challenge to accept, and the challenge is this. Jesus is saying to you, you're the salt, you're the light. Do you accept the challenge, yes or no? And there are three alternatives. Here they are. Alternative one, you can say no to the Lord. I want to be isolated from the culture around me. I'm going to build walls, I'm going to build a castle and a kingdom, and I'm just going to seal myself off where I don't ever have to make any kind of difficult choices. I don't ever find myself in a situation where somebody's pointing at me, looking at me, and saying, do you really stand with Jesus? Do you really believe in Him? Separation, isolation from culture. You cannot do that, and here's why. Because Jesus didn't. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the scripture says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus moved into our neighborhood and he lived among us so that he could be salt and light to us. If we're going to follow him, we can't do that. We can't isolate ourselves. But another reason why we can't accept this is because the early Christians didn't either. The early Christians didn't cut themselves off completely from the world where they never had any contact with anybody who was an unbeliever. How would they have shared the gospel? Option number two is this, fully embracing the culture around us. Go along to get along, compromise. And maybe you can rationalize it in a couple of ways. Maybe you could say, well, I'm not going to really mean it in my heart. What does it really matter if I put my signature on that document? What does it really matter if I... I, I just, I don't want to raise a fuss. And so I'm going to fully embrace the culture. I'm just going to whole hog, go after what's being done and participate with enthusiasm eventually. In the Old Testament, God said to Israel, he said, I'm going to make you a holy nation. I'm going to make you a different people. And as long as Israel tried to live that way, they did well. But there came a day in Israel's history, 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4, where they said, we want a king like all the nations around us. And when they decided that they wanted to be like everybody else, when they decided that they wanted to be like all the nations around them, that's what started and precipitated their fall. 
their departure from God. Fully embracing the culture, worshiping the idols that the other nations worshiped, having leadership like the other nations had, Christians can't fully embrace the culture. And so the challenge to accept is this, to find balance. We are, brothers and sisters, we are set apart from the world. We are not to be like the world, and yet we are sent to the world. And that's a very difficult place to live. Don't underestimate the challenge in Jesus' words. You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Sometimes I get the impression that people kind of think the only thing that there is to be in salt of the earth and light of the world is let's, let's have a community car wash and make sure that everybody, you know, knows that we love them. Those are good things. But when we talk about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, we're talking about being set apart from the world and yet sent to the world. There is a mission that Jesus gives us And it's about who we are, it's about our identity. I read recently that early Christians, they had had race issues. You wanna talk about race issues that people have today? They had them in the first century too. It wasn't about the color of people's skin in the first century, it was about their heritage and ethnicity. You had the Jews and you had the Gentiles. And what I read was this, early Christians struggled with that Because once somebody was baptized, maybe you're a Jew and you're baptized, maybe you're a Gentile and you're baptized, what are you now? You know what they decided about themselves, those early Christians? They said, we are a third race. We are neither Jew nor Gentile. We are new in Christ. We are a third race. We're different. We're from the world. We're set apart from the world, though. We're not like the world. We are sent back into the world to talk to people about Jesus and who he is and what he's all about. And that's who we are now. And the challenge for you is to live that difficult way, serving Jesus Christ, set apart, and yet sent to the world around you. It would be easy for you to say, well, that's, you know, be the light of the world, salt of the earth. Other people can do that. There are other Christians who are much stronger, much more knowledgeable than I am. Let me tell you something. There are people in your life that only you can influence. And Jesus has sent you. Will you take up that challenge? There are people in your life that only you talk to on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. You may be the only New Testament Christian they know. Will you take up the challenge? You're the salt of the earth. Secondly, this morning, as you look at Matthew 5, you'll see that there is a truth to demonstrate. Something that Jesus wants us to demonstrate. If you're looking at the passage, look down at verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And notice, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and... We almost use this as an afterthought, and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't believe that was intended by Jesus as an afterthought. The whole point of our good works is to show, to demonstrate the glory of God. It's not about attention for me. It's not about people thinking well of me. It's about glorifying God. And the early Christians, they believed deeply in the glorious nature of God, the fact that he is infinitely glorious, the fact that he's worth every price that one must pay. 
Psalm 96 verse 4, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, the psalmist says. Romans 11:33, Paul writes, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. He is glorious, he is amazing, he is unfathomably beautiful. And the way I live my life reflects something of his glory, or it's supposed to. Again, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, Moses said in Exodus 15, verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. Somebody puts us in a difficult place when there are pressures and there are tensions and there are unpleasant experiences. When those things happen, what a Christian wants to do is to demonstrate that God is glorious, that God is worthy, that God is amazing. That's what we are doing with our lives. God is worth the effort. That's the light that people need to see. They need to see the light that God is beautiful, that he's amazing, that he's worthy of praise and worship and study. He's worthy of everything that we can give him. That's the challenge. It's a truth to be demonstrated in our lives that we love Jesus Christ, that we want to serve God more than anything else. And somebody's sitting there, I know, asking, well, how do you do that? How do you demonstrate that truth? Two things. Two things are necessary to demonstrate this truth. God's glory is most clearly demonstrated, number one, when we live holy, H-O-L-Y. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, you be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Holiness is about separation from sin. It's about what you don't do. It's about what you hate. I cannot abide. I cannot have a part with sin. That's part of holiness. And the other part of holiness has to do with glorifying and serving God, doing what's right. So holiness, if you want to think about it, has to do with what you flee from and what you follow after. It has to do with purity and it has to do with pursuing what's good. That's holiness. And Jesus is saying, when you live a holy life, it's gonna show something of the greatness of God because it shows what he's like. But it's not just holy living that makes you the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It is holy living combined with, number two, faith, Specifically, faith that looks to God's promises about the future. God's promises about the future. And you say, well, that's strange, John. Why are you saying that? Look at Matthew 5, verse 12. Right before he talks about being the light of the world and the salt of the earth, what does he say in Matthew 5, verse 12? When you suffer persecution, when somebody puts you in a difficult position, when somebody, when somebody says something and it's kind of sarcastic or it mocks you because of the fact that you're a Christian, when that happens, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward where? What does it say in Matthew 5, 12? Great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What I'm saying is a Christian makes decisions differently than everybody else 
because God has made promises about the future. He's made a promise about how he's going to save people who are faithful until the end. He's made promises about how Jesus is going to return one day when people least expect it, and he's going to ransom all his saved to come home with him. The Bible makes promises like that. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. The Bible makes promises about that, and our faith looks to those promises. And so the difficulties that we encounter and endure, we're saying as Christians, by our lives and by our words, my faith is not in what's going to provide and secure my well-being right now. My faith is in what God has promised to do in the future. I'm going to live a holy life and I'm going to put my trust and my faith in what God has promised in my future. That's how you demonstrate the glory of God. Let your lights shine before men that they may see your good works, good works, putting your trust in God's promises and come to glorify your Father in heaven. Read Hebrews 11 for your homework this afternoon. And look at how everybody in Hebrews 11 was looking to the future. Everybody, all of their faithful works were looking to the future. Noah was warned by God, there's gonna be a flood. Noah built an ark. Abraham was told by God, get out from your country and go to a place that I will show you. And Abraham spent the rest of his life living in tents and so did his son and so did his grandson. Sojourners, pilgrims, why? Because they believed in the promises of God. Joseph, before he died, said, I want you to take my bones when I die and I want you to bury them in the promised land. All of those people were looking to the future and saying, God's made some promises and I'm making my decisions based on God's promises, not based on what the world tells me is right. That's how you become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. God is glorious and you show it by living a holy life, by living a future-oriented life that lists and trusts the promises of God. Third, as you look at Matthew 5, 13 through 16, there's a possibility to contemplate. Look at verse 13, look at verse 14. What does Jesus say? He says, salt can lose its flavor. He says, light can be hidden. And here's the challenge, because the series is called Cultural Intelligence. The challenge is, when I'm in a difficult position, when somebody is bothering me, maybe they're doing it passive aggressively, maybe they're doing it kind of antagonistically, but however, they're bothering you because of the fact that you're a Christian. And sometimes it's kind of benign, you know, people look around the room and maybe there's just kind of a hush. You walk into a crowd and you know they're probably talking about some things that are not very, not very godly and all of a sudden just everything gets quiet. Well, I guess we got to stop talking about that. John's here. Or maybe they use the Lord's name in vain and then they turn to you and they apologize as if somehow, you know, I've, I've offended you. I'm telling you, that's when you're the salt. That's when you're the light. And the worst thing that you and I can do in those moments is to laugh it off and say, it's no big deal. The worst thing that we can do is to just kind of quietly skulk off into the corner and not try to stand in an uncomfortable place and say, yeah, you're right. You really shouldn't be talking like that. I'm not talking about being tactless. I am not talking about, you write this down in your notes, I am not talking about being relationally clumsy. Sometimes we become like a bull in a china shop. Have you ever thought about that image? Bull in a china shop, breaking everything recklessly, 
Sometimes in our relationships, we become that way. There is no tact, there is no thought, there is no sensitivity to what others are experiencing. That is not what Jesus is saying. But he is saying this. He's saying, I've sent you out into the world and your whole job, your whole purpose is to be salt. I don't care what the food has been seasoned with, you know when salt is present. Even if it's just a little bit, you know that there's salt in that food. Take the spiciest food you can possibly imagine, put a bunch of salt in it, you can tell there's salt on that food. And I don't care how dark the room, you can tell when there's even just a little pin size light, can't you? Jesus says, I've sent you into the world to be that. Don't you dare lose your flavor. Don't you dare hide your light under a basket. That's the possibility to contemplate. Are there situations in my life, are there challenges that I've faced where I've kind of compromised and I've kind of quietly messed up and not been the kind of influence that God wanted me to be? The question I want to leave you with this morning is this. I've been talking all morning about the tension and the discomfort and the stress and those kinds of things that happen sometimes when the world collides with what the Bible says. If you never feel the tension, are you representing the Lord well? It's not something that you're going to feel every day necessarily. It's not something you're going to experience all the time necessarily. But when was the last time? that something about your faith and something about your belief and trust in God was challenged or that you were looked at as being different because you believe this way. And may I say this before I close the sermon, one of the most obvious ways that you identify as being a Christian is by being right here. When the church assembles, you identify yourself as a child of God when you assemble with the church. When's the last time anybody gave you a hard time about that? I know it's Mother's Day. I know you want to be with your mom, take her out to eat. That's a great thing. But we identify as the people of God when we assemble together, when we gather together. You ever feel tension from your family as a result of that? If you never do, am I representing the Lord well? Am I really being the salt of the earth and the light of the world? Brothers and sisters and friends, let your light so shine that men may see what you stand for and glorify your Father in heaven. Be useful to Jesus Christ. You are his missionary. You are his ambassador. You are the one he sent. Live up to that challenge. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a New Testament Christian. You want to come to Christ. We would love the opportunity to study the gospel with you and to show you what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you've been studying for a while and you realize that you need the salvation that only Jesus can provide. You need to show by the way that you live your life that God really is worthy, that he really is glorious, that he really is giving up everything for. Come to Jesus, obey the gospel. Put Christ on in baptism, having put your faith and trust in him to save you from your sins and repent of those sins. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. If we can help you with that, or if we can pray for you, won't you make your way down the aisle this morning? 
Heaven's invitation is yours. While together we stand and while we sing.